0: Okay, please find a comfortable and relaxed posture, keep your back straight as much as you can and gently close your eyes. Take a few deep long breaths, do it few times, breathe in softly and breathe out softly. Slowly bring your attention to this moment. Experience peacefulness, stillness around you. It might take a few moments. Usually our mind is running around, busy, but this moment you are peaceful and quiet. And mindfully listen to the sound of the singing ball. And then we can start our practice. Slowly bring my attention to your breath. Focus on your tip of your nose, and just allows your body to breathe naturally, without thinking future or past. If you are having any distractions, you can take a deep, long breath and come back to your practice again. Breathe in mindfully, breathe out mindfully. Mindfully pay your attention on your inner and outer breath. Your mind is like an ocean. The nature of the ocean is waves come and go. After each waves, there's a new wave, wave is starting. But when you go to the ocean, when you go to the beach, you can enjoy the waves, it is beautiful, peaceful, the sound, your mind is same like an ocean, thoughts are rising, remaining and disappearing. Part of the mindfulness practice is understanding your thoughts. Whenever you are having thoughts, just know, I'm having thoughts. You can't stop having thoughts. Just watch them mindfully come back to your breath again. When you are inhaling, you know that your body is inhaling. When you are exhaling, you know that your body is exhaling. We are always breathing, it is always happening, but in this moment you are paying attention on your breath. It is meaning you are learning to experience the present moment. Now slowly you can shift your practice to loving kindness. Be kind to yourself. Please repeat these three words to yourself with kind and compassion, same time. Make a determination to apply the meanings to your daily life. May I be content. May I be patient. May I be skillful. If you like to pick a one word you can repeat it over and over and also you can use your own words to practice self-love. Now imagine uh, someone who very close to you or who needs your blessings, who is in sick or tough time. Imagine that person's face. with having unconditional love send a kindness towards that chosen person may my special person be filled with loving kindness May not any difficulties or dangerous come to him. May he or she be strong and healthy mentally and physically. At the same time, you can think of your loved ones, family members. Please continue your practice towards your loved ones. Also you can extend your loving thoughts towards all the living beings beyond this room. Now, observe your mind, observe your body. You are having a peaceful and relaxed time. Take a few deep, long breaths. Breathe in, I am in peace. Breathe out I am in peace. Breathe in, I'm in peace. Bowed, I am in peace. Appreciate your practice, appreciate your dedication and this moment. Having that appreciation, please bring your hands together in front of your heart. Make a commitment to yourself to apply this practice regularly. May all the living beings Be well, be happy, be peaceful. May all the blessings be with you. Thank you so much. Slowly open your eyes. Okay, let's start our chanting practice, page number 4. You can chant with us, also you can listen to us.
1: Namo dasa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhasa. Namo dasa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhasa. Namo dasa Bhagavato, Sama Sambuddhasa, Buddham Saranam Gachami, Dhamman Saranam Sangham Saranam Duttyampi buddhaṃ saranaṃ gacchaṁi Duttyampi dhamman saranaṃ gacchaṁi Duttyampi sanghaṃ saranaṃ gacchaṁi Tatiyampi buddhaṃ saranaṃ gacchhaṃ Tatiyampi dhamman saranaṃ gacchhaṃ Tatiyampi sanghaṃ saranaṃ Anicca sankara Uppad vayadhammeno Uppad jitva nirujanti Te sabbe satta avera hantu sabbe satta abyapajja hantu sabbe satta anigha hantu SABVE SATTA SUKHI PARIHARAN MANO PUBBHAANG DHAMMA MANO SETHA MANO MAYA MANSA CHEP Paduthena bhasati vakaro tato nandukha manveti chakkang vahato padang Mano Pubbhangma Dhamma Manu Setha Mano Mano Siddhishe Pasannena Bhastiva Karotiva Sato Nansukha Manveti Chayav Anapayini
0: Mind is the foreign of the states. Mind is chief. Mind medade. If it's corrupt mind, one should either speak of it. Suffering follows caused by that as does the wheel follow the ox's hoof. Mind is the foreign of all states. Mind is chief, mind-made Clear and confident mind, one should I this speak where happiness follows caused by that. <coughs> we believe. We believe in generosity towards others, we believe this skillful noble path is marked by generosity. We believe generosity has many levels. Think generously, speak generously, act generously. We believe generosity is the heart of our spiritual practice. And this practice allow us to become open, accepting and forgiving. We believe extending generosity to ourselves and others is a direct of healing division, bringing joy. My wish may become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross. A sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need, by means of this meritorious deed. May I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nirvana. Okay, good morning everyone. How are you today? It is very nice to see you all and thank you so much for being here. And today um, we also have a lay dharma talk. Maybe some of you know and Rebecca and our wonderful noble friend and also our vice president uh, of the board. And she's going to talk about her experience, uh, about practice. And I have talked many about her uh, and um, I think you have met her. And she, her and her family, they are a big part of the temple. And Rebecca, her daughter, and mom, and also Mark, he's not here today. And um, so, they are supporting and doing a lot for the temple. And also, um, whenever we are having a huge events, Rebecca, she's a wonderful organizer, and we don't have to do anything. She's doing everything, but sometimes she's bossy. (laughs) 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 But she's a wonderful organizer, and she's doing such a a great support to the temple, and we are so grateful for that, everything. And please, it's your time.
2: (laughs) Can everyone hear me okay? Okay. Um, So as Asaji said, my name is Rebecca. I have the honor of being the vice president of this amazing spiritual home, and I think I'm just starting my seventh year of being on the board, so it has been a, a wonderful journey for a long time. Um, I've met so many people, so many familiar faces in the office, my in, in the audience. My sister's here, my mom's here, as Asaji said, my husband Mark is at home, not feeling great today, but um, I'm sure he'll find this online and listen to it at some point, <laughs> um, So I just feel really blessed and grateful to have so many teachers in my life. So obviously the monastics we have as great teachers, but also all of my noble friends and family have really done so much for helping to teach me and help me go through all of the things in my life so that I could be the person who I am today. And I just feel really grateful that I've had all of those opportunities My Buddhist practice has really grown slowly over the past 25 years or so. It's moved from being sort of a general philosophy that I felt really drawn to and read a lot about, to something that is really central to who I am as a human being. When I was first asked to talk this summer, I thought a lot about what I wanted to say, and I realized that just every single thing in my life is touched in some way by my Buddhist practice. And it it kind of snuck on me. It just happened gradually over time, and and I didn't realize that that was true. Um, It's profoundly impacted the way that I've raised my daughter. My husband and I really, really honor the teachings of the Buddha and think that they are a wise way to help prepare her to grow and be her own individual. She's getting ready to start her senior year of high school. So, you know. Teenager years are, are fun sometimes, um, but we have, we have tried our best to help instill within her a level of independence and, and wisdom about life so that she can go make choices that are good for her. Um, it's really impacted personally my relationships um, at work and with friends and with family. I find that I'm at a place where I'm just authentically me all the time. And no matter who my audience is or know who I'm I'm with, I I find that I just comfortably just sit in those shoes where my values don't change. I'm not a different person at work or I'm not a different person when I have to talk or present in a meeting or be in a position where I have to have a hard conversation. All of those times I'm able to really show up authentically um, with who I am. And it's been really central to learning to cope um, and manage with my husband's illness. So some of you guys know my husband, Mark. Um, If you've seen him around the temple, he's in a power wheelchair, Like I think the only one. So if you've seen him, you know who he is. And Mark has just, has been an amazing, amazing teacher to me. Um, Mark has primary progressive multiple sclerosis and he was um, first started getting sick about eight years ago. And it's been a really long and difficult journey And, you know, he's really been forced to redefine every aspect of his life totally against his will and doing it while he's in chronic pain and absolutely unknown about every aspect of his future. And he has struggled through a lot of it and had lots of ups and downs. But having a Buddhist practice in our life has been a place for us to always rest into and lean into And and we just keep doing that again and again and again. In September of, um, or spring of 2019, Mark fell into a coma for about a week and spent eight months on hospice care. So he's had some really scary, dark times for all of us. And he's now been pretty stable for almost three years, and he hasn't had any further disease progression, which is wonderful. Um, He's absolutely the strongest person that I know. And and I just feel so blessed to be his partner walking through this life. Um, you know, I, I think if, if you've talked to me much at all about helping to manage Mark being sick, I use the word raw a lot. I feel like our life is really raw. Like there's this raw humanity about being disabled or being having a disease in your life that you just can't get away from. And so we work really hard not to let that define us and that's way easier for me than it is for mark but finding a balance between honoring these things that are a part of our life but not letting them become all of our life i also work really hard to look for the gifts in it to look for all the opportunities for for mark being disabled to you know, who it's brought into our life, the lessons that it's given us. Um, just again and again, that there's opportunities and gifts that are there if we really look to see them. And it's hard to see them sometimes through sorrow or pain or fear. It's really hard to recognize a gift. But if we look really closely, you can usually find them in almost everything. So one of the things that has really been central for us is finding a way to have a practice of gratitude and to intentionally live in joy. And when I couldn't decide what I wanted to talk about, I decided that that was like the central theme in my life that I could talk about, is just happiness. So definitely having a gratitude practice is a big part of it. But happiness and joy are intentional, and they're choices, and they're places that we can find and build for ourselves. But it's not easy, it's very difficult. And I think for me, getting to a place where I feel like I sustained happiness started with me deciding what happiness was. So I think that happiness to me today doesn't mean anything like what it meant to me 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but defining happiness has been really important for me. So I'd like to talk about happiness for a second with with you guys as a whole so who wants to share with uh, with me or with all of us what's your definition of happiness what does happiness mean to you anyone want to share being content, being content. jeez, you should get up and finish my whole talk for me todd <laughs> couldn't agree with you more i think that's the, that's my conclusion that's it be content Beautiful. What else What else is happiness? The joy you feel when you're grateful. Very good. I've heard happiness as your confidence to handle anything that life throws at you. So to be able to handle the difficult and be resilient and come back from that. Great. Peaceful. Yeah, absolutely. Just being calm or peaceful wherever you're at. Feeling safe, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's really tied to mindfulness, right? It's being aware enough and present enough in the moment to recognize something small. That's wonderful right there. Being present over striving for perfection. Ah, that's a good one, that's hard. If you're a perfectionist. For me, that's really about goals. You know, I've I've had this ongoing conversation with one of my coworkers about the fact that I I think I'm often seen as not being ambitious at all. Because I don't, like, those goals really don't mean anything to me. Like, I'm not a type of person. And at work, we would do these exercises that I think are kind of stupid about, you know, what you're going to be doing, like, by the end of the year or at the end of five years. And I was always, like, lamely, like, I'm not worrying about that stuff. Like I, I and, and so, and which doesn't look good at work, by the way. I don't recommend your bosses don't love <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> but genuinely, that big picture stuff, I find I get lost in that, where instead, if I have a loose goal, and I work away from perfection, but I instead work at it, so much happier, so much more productive in general. <laughs> okay, all great things. It sounds like you guys hang out at a Buddhist temple, because... <laughs> No one talked about things, right? No one said, like, if I have, like, love or this relationship or I have a partner or I feel financially secure, right? Because those things aren't really the things that bring us happiness. And so I think for me, which I'm going to talk about in in more detail, happiness is, is all about the process. It's about how I interact with the world and then what I choose to do with those things how I choose to react to all of the stuff that happens to me. Because my goal isn't small things. My goal is to have a sustained amount of contentment, right? So I really think that I find happiness lives in the place where I feel the most balanced and calm. I feel happiness lives in love and caring for those that I love. I get a lot out of service and help. Um, I feel, for me, um, it's the feeling of contentment. I have everything I already need already. I have it all. Now, that doesn't mean I don't want some stuff, but I don't need any of that, because everything I really need, I already have in my life. And it really lives in being present, being really mindful so that I can be really connected to the people and situations that I find myself in. Um... I think that it's, it's never a fleeting emotion. It's not the bliss of exciting news. It's not like the exhilaration of a party or going on vacation. You know, all of those feelings last. All of those things are not sustainable. And I think we really do a great disservice to ourselves and our kids and our communities that like as Americans, that's really, that's really shows up for us as a goal to attain. You know, having a new car is going to make you feel better and going on this cruise is going to make you feel better and having Having all of these things, but really none of those things ever really make you happy. It's fleeting and it floats away and it's not something that really, you know, fills us up in the long term. So I think that finding happiness is less about what we have to gain or achieve and it's really all about what you're letting go of. It's what you don't need anymore. It's what you're going to stop doing. It's what you're going to stop wanting. And when you let go of all that stuff, then you find that you have everything you need and that you can be in a place that is is of great contentment. I think happiness also suffers a lot by comparison. We love to compare things, and we like to look at how we're doing and how others are doing and how other people look happier than us and other people look like they have more than us. And then we get lost in that comparison, and we stop being in touch with what makes us actually happy. So like finding out and experimenting, what are the things that make you happy? And then you have to live in that, like shamelessly live in that. It doesn't matter what it is that you love to do. That's something that you should just live in every day because you know that that's what sustains you and that know that that's what makes you happy. Um, Having a daily practice of gratitude, I've said that a few times now, is huge. Like, even forcing yourself every day. I mean, I think almost every day, Mark and I have a conversation about what are you grateful for today, or what are the three things you're grateful for today. And sometimes we do it in the morning, and sometimes we do it at night, and sometimes we forget to do it for days, and then we (laughs) lump it all together. But we make sure that that's a constant, even when you're not feeling grateful. In fact, especially when you've had a really crappy day, to really start talking about gratitude, you find will change your mindset. So cultivating that I think is a practice. I think it's really connected to the, to the middle path. It's really connected to equanimity and being balanced because we want to have a sustained level of happiness, not like a high level of joyful happiness that we know, you know, is is never going to get us where we want to be. So, um, So I'd like to read a verse to you guys. So I think most people um, here are probably familiar with the Dhammapada. I think it's probably the best known of Buddha's scriptures. And chapter 15 is about happiness. And I especially like this one translation by Thomas Byram, and this is his translation of the beginning of the chapter of happiness. Live in joy and love even among those who hate. Live in joy and health even among the afflicted. Live in joy and peace, even among the troubled. Live in joy, without possessions, like the shining ones. The winner sows hatred, because the loser suffers. Let go of winning and losing, and find joy. And, And that... And I've read numerous versions of this, and it never struck me in that way till I read this translation. And I just think that that so purely connects to how I feel about finding joy in your in your life. Um, I just I also love that it's intentional, and you can build it yourself. To, I would love that there's like this little cartoon I see show up on social media with like a little cartoon dude with a jar and with a heart in it, and it was like, "Hey, look at my happiness! I built it myself." If anyone's seen that, and I like every time I see that, it just makes me smile because it's it's just so true. You build your own happiness; it never comes from somebody else. Um, I love also that living in joy doesn't mean that that's only what I'm doing. Right? Let's be honest; it's just one piece of the pie. So the reality is, your joy is going to live right next to your pain, and right next to your sorrow and your suffering and your anger, and all those emotions are all going to be right there in the same space. And we don't have to to cancel each other out. I found, especially in the first few years that Mark was sick, that this was really hard for me, because when something very profoundly sad and difficult happens, you find that it just spills into everything. And I really learned how to compartmentalize stuff. And then I realized I was shoving it in boxes. And I didn't really want it to shove in boxes, right? I didn't want to be happy when I was here at a family function and then go home and feel sad because Mark couldn't go with and he was sad that he couldn't go with. I wanted them to live together but in a way that was peaceful, that it was okay to be sad while I was at the family function because Mark couldn't go, or it was okay, okay for me to go home and be happy and not feel bad. And so I found that that balance was really difficult. Like, I think I practiced for years before I felt like I was at all good with it. And now I find that that it, they 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 can live in harmony together, which which feels a lot more like a natural space to me. Many years ago, I read a book um, or an article that talked about how we label all our experiences and thoughts and emotions throughout the day. And this is something that that I probably started doing like 15 years ago, and it's really, really just struck a chord with me. Um, it talked about how deeply impacted we become, not by the experience or the thought or the emotion you had, but we end up being deeply impacted by the label that we've put on it. So we become controlled by a good day or a bad day, or good things or bad things, or good people or bad people, and nothing is ever exclusively one or another. So the way I always think about this is like we as humans are carrying two buckets with us, and one bucket is good, and one bucket is bad, and all day long, stuff flitters through our life, emotions, thoughts, experiences, and our brain immediately is like, good, dump it in the good bucket. That was bad, put it in the bad bucket. And it doesn't matter what it is, right? You're stuck at a traffic light. Oh, I'm stuck. Uh, There's construction. That's bad. Somebody yelled at me in the grocery store. That's bad. Something good happened. And we all day long filter this stuff through and shove it in a good or a bad bucket, and then those labels are what really sticks with us, right? And we hold on to them all day long. So I started trying to practice, can I not do that? Can I break that cycle? So that when something happens to me, um, I don't just shove it in my bucket. Now, of course, there are some things that just go in the bucket, right? There's going to be good stuff that, of course, ends in your good bucket or really bad stuff that ends up in the bad bucket. But I found that when I practice filtering it, and I practiced not placing that label on it. I allowed experiences to just happen to me. I found that it, like, it broke within me a cycle of attachment to the good things and a resistance to the bad things in a really profound way. So I just practice every day not picking up these buckets. And again, I've done it for a really long time now. I find that it's mostly natural for me that it's... Um, it's a lot easier for me to just have an experience that happened maybe it's it's kind of like remaining neutral as opposed to having a reaction to something. Sometimes I find later on I'll unpack something that was like more profound to me than I realized it was. But in the moment when i you know I, I find that I don't have immediate reactions to stuff anymore, and that ends up good so I also found that. This is one of the core things that has helped me find contentment, is when I really think back on what's worked for me, not labeling something and instead just letting it be an experience allowed me to kind of focus on the problem or focus on working through the problem and not getting caught up in in all the emotions of it first. So I've had lots of opportunities to practice this at horrible, scary times and at good times, and I just find that it works all the time. I don't know if it works for other people as well, but it has been a a real consistent for me. So my experiences are just all they are, right? My experience, all of our experiences, they're just a thing to you, and you know When something pisses you off and you had a bad day or you're getting ready to come back from vacation and you're dreading going to work or dreading doing something, I just keep doing my best to not label it and um, to let the emotion kind of pass by so that stuff doesn't pile up. I think the piling up part is really hard for people. Right? Feeling like, well, now this is the third bad thing that happened to me, or my whole week has been horrible, right? We love to pile the stuff on. And, and getting rid of that pile is nearly impossible. So if you kind of start at the beginning, you know, like, stop, stop the fire before it starts. Um, that tends to be, uh, more helpful. Um, I find that, um, As this practice kind of progressed in me, it really made me look at my own self as a judging person. As a person who judged not these things and experiences, but kind of everything. And I thought I was pretty good at recognizing judgment. And then over the years, I realized that I was not really as good at it in myself um, as I realized. So that's something that I I always keep working on. I think I work really hard to help judgment not cloud or control me and my choices. Um, I, again, I feel like I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I can say nothing in my life has gone the way that I thought it would be. Um, you know, Mark being sick has taken an entirely different path of, of everything. And... Um, And yet I find that I'm still really, really happy and really, really content. And I have a life filled with love and filled with great, meaningful human connections and a practice that helps me again and again make those choices in a really good way. So I want to end with a quote that I love by Sylvia Borstein. Um, And she said in an article I read, equanimity is the capacity of the mind To hold a clear view of whatever is happening, externally and internally, as well as the ability of the mind to accommodate passion without losing its balance. And I love that because passion is both good passion and bad passion. But when passion happens to us, when extreme emotions happen to us, it throws us off kilter and finding a practice to keep yourself in the middle is so directly tied to peace and calm and happiness. And I find that it's just that happiness and happiness are, are synonymous. So that's all I have to say about happiness. Yes.